Bing bong. What is up, everybody? I have a very, very special guest for you here again today with Joey. Joey Tweets, co-host of the Canadian Bitcoiners podcast. If you've been following me for a little bit, you've heard him. I think I've had him on like two or three times. Honestly, too many times, but he was filling in last minute. So we got into the whole miners capitulation. Um, what we're kind of seeing in the overall market and general macro stuff. And yeah, as always, it was a good and fun conversation with my good old pal, Joey. And we end it with him thinking that he could beat me in a 40-yard dash. I mean, this guy, uh, absolutely ridiculous. But as always, ladies and gents, this is not financial advice, so please do not take it as such. Joey and I are strictly having an, a conversation between friends and... Uh, they're just our opinions. You know what I'm saying? Should not be taken as financial advice. Now let's get into the episode. Whoosh. All right. We are live with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast. And for those listening on Podcasting 2.0 apps like Fountain, I really appreciate it. Uh, be sure to send me a boost and leave a little comment and I'll read them out in the show. I don't have any comments from you guys. I just get getting these blank boosts. So if you're leaving one, leave a comment because uh, I'll read them out next time. But I got a very special guest. Uh, I'm doing something that's very close to my heart. It's uh, you know a Make-A-Wish Foundation kind of thing. I'm bringing on this kid named Joey. And uh, he really wanted to come on the podcast, so I'm bringing him on as uh, you know a very special thing. So, Joey, welcome, and shout out to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Bro, you told me this was the Apple earnings call. I didn't know this was a stupid candle pot again. I hate these things, man. Oh, what's going on? It's good to be here. Do a, little, do a little pinch hitting for you today. Happy to uh, happy to show up here on, on such short notice from my palatial Canadian basement. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, so if you don't recognize the voice by now, it is Joey of the Canadian Bitcoiners podcast. I've had him on a couple times um you know he's the i guess the second tier co-host uh behind lynn uh who really carries and pulls the weight but uh yeah joey how you doing today you're putting on the chapstick you a little cold i see you're wearing a sweater i'm actually sweating where i'm at right now i'm i'm you know kind of heating up down here so uh how's how's it going up there in uh the great white north Bro, it's like it's like ten degrees here, maybe Celsius, ten degrees Canadian. Uh, I'm good. I'm lubing up because it's dry outside. I just I was outside with my dog just now, trying to like coax him into coming back in. Poor guy's been cooped up all day. This is normally when I would take him for a stroll, but instead, I'm here talking to you, trying to pretend that I'm not looking at my phone to see if Apple beat and Amazon beat or not. Because if they both beat, we're both going to be rich tomorrow. And if they both lost, if they both uh, uh, underachieved. We got problems, buddy. We got real problems tomorrow morning. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is the Bitcoin show, though, man. I mean, come on. But I, I think at the end of the day, I, I mean, I'm Amazon yeah. off twelve percent, Brandon. Okay, what, did, what happened with uh, Apple? Now it's a disaster. It's a disaster. Falling apart, dude. Everything's red. The world is dying. I mean, where do we even start? So first, I mean, first off, we got to get it off the table here. Okay, right? go. We had Masa in the replies already. Shout out to Masa. People want to know, why did you stop the DCA? I still think that this economy is phony. All the strength is phony. I don't care. Like I see on the Bitcoin chart, like we're above some, uh, you know, moving averages. People love to do that stuff. They're reading the, they read the tea leaves. I think the growth is fake. I think that people are looking at this economic number for Q3 and it's a, you know, I think it was plus 2.6, something like that. There is a, 
metric using exports, imports and exports based on dollar strength that in, that will force an inaccurate reflection in GDP growth. Now, I can't remember exactly what the mechanism is, but the gist of it is that when the dollar is super strong against that basket of currencies that the trading partners of the United States use, it forces GDP to grow even if the economy isn't growing with it. And I wish I, I will have something on that on Monday's show when I have some time to think about it and read about it, but it ain't as rosy as everyone, as everyone thinks. And I'll tell you how you know this, because the Biden administration is still giving money away to anyone who asked for it in, in the lead up to the election. They're still releasing SPR in the lead up to the election. They're still doing all these things. If the economy was healthy, you wouldn't see this kind of programming because it doesn't make sense. And it 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 pushes to the front of minds uh, when it comes to like the median voter. OK, well, if the economy was as strong as they're telling me, well, how come I can't afford groceries? How come I can't afford gas? How come I can't do this? How come I can't do that? They wouldn't be giving that money away because it, it it reminds people about that. And so this number GDP, 2.6%, is bogus. Now, what what if I was a competent commentator in America, I would say, look, this guy had me believing for a year that any problem with the GDP, with the economy, maybe not a year, it's probably about 10 months now or eight months, was Putin's fault or inflation that was systemic because of COVID, whatever. It was always someone else's fault. Now he's going to try and tell me through his uh, scion, Corinne Jean-Pierre, you know, probably as we speak, actually, they're probably doing the, the White House press hour. They, these, these guys are going to try and claim victory over this. It's horseshit. It's complete horseshit. And so to your earlier question about the DCA, I think this is phony growth for sure. I think they're going to get swamped in the midterms. And I think you're going to start to get a mask off moment because there's no way the Republicans are going to keep some of these programs going. There is just zero chance. They can't risk having two years of kicking the can down the road and then having the thing blow up, blow up on them right before um, the presidential elections in 24, which is exactly what the Democrats did. They tried, kick it, they tried to kick it down the road past 22, and they fucked it up. And now you're having the chickens come home to roost for you right before people go to the ballot box or you know mail in 100 ballots each, whatever they're doing over there. I'm not sure. I saw today that Pennsylvania is not going to be able to count their ballots for the midterm in one day. Amazing. You guys are first world over there. It's uh, quite an operation. Unreal. I mean, it's it, the crazy thing about the states and the, all these elections is how different it is state to state. I mean, it's just insane. And like something needs to be like more, I guess, federally regulated with that. But I mean, it, it'll probably never happen because nobody could ever agree in this fucking country. So don't I mean, the states hate the federal government over there as like a, a principal point? Like it's like they're it's like their raison d'etre to just hate the fucking government, no matter what the federal government says. They don't want to do it. That's like the default position. I thought that's well, how it was. At a certain point, I mean, it's, now it's kind of becoming more like Republicans are more for the like state governments and Democrats are more for like the federal government kind of having overall control. If, only if it's their policy that they want, you know, kind of thing. So, I mean, that's that's just kind of how it is at, at this point, right? I mean, it seems like everybody's happy if their people are doing what they want. But, you know, <laughs> Roe v. Wade gets overturned and... Uh, you oh, know. nice. We're going. We're going to start with Roe v. Wade. Okay. Yeah. That's good. I mean, yeah. I mean, okay. hey, yeah. I mean, we'll, we can get into some controversy, controversial topics, and other things like that. But I mean, it's like, you know, I I think there's a lot of like mis, uh, you know, I guess misinformation out about all this kind of stuff. But it's being labeled as misinformation when it's actually probably the correct information. So, you <laughs> know, uh, a lot of back and forth here and there. But um, you know, I you you kind of touched on it a little bit, right? So there's uh. You know, kind of some, I don't know if I, I don't even know how to describe it, but maybe like faulty, like hope 
uh, behind the macro economy seeing like, all right, it's already bottomed out. You know, I think the general sentiment when CPI like maybe two months ago came out was like, all right, it already bottomed. And then last month it, it got higher than, than it was before. If I don't, yeah. if I'm, you know, not mistaken. And so I, I, I agree with you on that point, but where I'll push back with, with you a little bit on the whole Bitcoin prices, you know, it has been kind of, it hasn't decoupled fully, but in the, in the last quarter, um, there was uh, a positive growth in Bitcoin in Q3 by 3% and growth and everything else got absolutely crushed. So Bitcoin was relatively flat. Are you the decoupler meme? Is that you? Yeah. I, well, I got to go to bed. There's one more decouple. <laughs> because, but, but we've been seeing it, right? Like we've been seeing Bitcoin not really change hands or anything like that. Most people that are kind of coming in now, I mean, they're, they're coming in and holding. They're not really selling or anything else. So that's the only, you know, main hope that I see for it not to crash. But I do want to get into the whole Bitcoin miners kind of capitulating and selling not only equipment, but selling their Bitcoin holding. We should. Um, we yeah. Should. Let, mean, me, let, me st- let me steal, man, your bull case there. Uh, okay. We mentioned this on our show on Monday after, after the program was done because I didn't want to talk about it on the, on the broadcast. It didn't really fit in any of our like whatever brackets. But uh, this guy, Harris Kupperman, Canadian guy, trader, uh, energy oil, specifically uranium these days, he's like big on uranium, runs this newsletter called Kedem, K-E-D-M. And he was saying that he would not be surprised to see a Bitcoin pump this week, a little bit of a pump, as people who are in the queues exit the queues ahead of earnings and try and park their money somewhere that's been a little bit flat. And he thought Bitcoin was a good candidate for that. And sure as shit, a day or two later, you get that little bit of a pump into the into the mid-20,000s, almost 21,000, right? It's about 5% pump. Ethereum that makes it all close to 10 or, 10 or 12 over the same two-day stretch. So- you know, is he right about that? And and at the end of this sort of earnings cycle, now that you see Amazon off twelve percent, I'm gonna like I'm buying Amazon tomorrow. If it, if Amazon's down twelve percent or fifteen percent, I'm buying that tomorrow. If I'm one of these people who rotated into Bitcoin or Ethereum, and then you know got out of that Amazon slash Apple slash Microsoft earnings cycle unscathed, you know more or less unscathed, you're gonna rotate back. So let's see if leading into the weekend, maybe the middle of next week, we see another drop in Bitcoin. You may, and, and you see some of those stocks rebound, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, Google, even, uh, I hate to say it, but meta, you know, possibly as well. Um, let's see, you know, if, if that, if that thesis turns out to be true, you might see exactly that. Yeah. I mean, it, it'll be interesting. I mean, we're, we're seeing a lot of the, the stocks. I mean, I've been tweeting about meta too, kind of dancing on some graves. If you've been following me for a little bit, you, you probably know why, but, uh, you know, I mean, I think a lot of these growth companies are just. You know, they're kind of coming back to just, I, I guess, almost like value level uh, PE ratios and other things like that. And I think they're still they're still 20 times PE. Some of these guys, T- 20 yeah, to 20 I mean, times PE, they're only value because they were trading at 100 PE a year ago. Exactly. Exactly. And that's where I think like, you know, at the end of the day, that's going to be kind of where things things lie for for a little bit and i think you know value has been like kind of an investment thesis that's been getting crushed these past 10 years because we've been seeing so many of these growth companies and kind of come in and just shoot up and have ridiculous stock valuations and that's kind of been my thesis is that throughout this recession everything's been overpriced there's been so much easy capital gaining that value is going to kind of start to make a little bit of a comeback and we'll probably see that, you know, for ha- however long that this recession lasts. And I don't think that it's going to be something that we're going to immediately shoot out of. 
unless, you know, we, we kind of keep down this cycle of just printing whenever there's somewhat of a recession, maybe we'll see like a mini, you know, cycle up or things like that, but that'll just kind of kick it down the road for a major depression. So I think, you know, we're going to have to see the fed federal reserve kind of keep raising rates, have an initial shock to the system. And then I think we're going to be flat for, you know, a, a decent amount of time. So Okay, you saw in Canada, we only did we had our raise yesterday, and everyone was predicting predicting seventy five bips. You see, we only did fifty. We're done. Yeah. We're done, and you guys are done too. You're gonna do one more, and then you're gonna either pause or you're gonna start really tapering those those raises. And like to me, I look at I look at that, and I like I'm looking now. If I pull up my trading view and look at some of these stocks, like Apple must have missed too. Amazon's down twenty percent after the bell, five percent during the day, twenty percent after the bell. So it's trading under hundred dollars. Apple's trading at under 144. Uh, Coinbase is probably going to miss too whenever they report. Microsoft is down another 4% today. Like the, these stocks, the, these are the, this is the plumbing for the entire virtual digital economy. No matter what you do, it's on Amazon, it's on Microsoft, it's on Google, it's on Apple. Those four companies, everything you do is there. Okay. If you can, you can even include Facebook in that if you really like are a glutton for punishment, but you could, you could if you wanted to put Meta in there. So you're telling me, that in an environment where the, the two North American CBs that people care about are starting to taper their interest rate hike regime, and Europe has already already done a major pivot in the UK, and the EU will probably follow soon too. The, these guys are are all changing their tone at the same time. Are you really telling me that no one's going to be buying? Like I personally, to your point about like what's valuable, Amazon, Apple, these companies are like Brandon. If I got to buy something. I'm not going to the mall. I'm going to Amazon. It doesn't matter what the price of the stock is. It doesn't matter what the interest rate is. It doesn't, none of that shit matters. I'm going to Amazon first. And so I, I, when people are like, oh, well, the queues are, are becoming the, uh, the queues are becoming the uh, um, victims of their own success or the victims of the new monetary regime. I would say like, you, there is no, you don't have a better idea. Value is not making a comeback because value, I think, is like a code word for, companies that were successful 15 years ago and just aren't anymore because because there's better research available because there's monopolies and, and oligopolies forming in some of these these sectors like I, I I've, I've never been a value guy I don't know a ton about it I follow a few value investors and I know you and I are in a group with the guy who who has some exposure to value investors and I don't know like I just don't see the point are you like? Are you telling me Amazon's yeah. not going to be around? You know, no, 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 no. That's, that's not really what I mean by that. I no, mean, I know, I know you're, I know you're not. But like, you know, the royal, the royal day, like you know, the, the yeah, I mean, people. I, I think like at the end of the day too, like you, you got to look at how, at how these things are presented, right? So it's like kind of the Ben Graham thesis, the uh, uh, what's his name, Warren Buffett, and he came around to Apple, and so I mean, like I, I think at the end of the day, like some of these stocks that are, you know, our growth companies are going to be kind of looked at more as like value plays. And you're exactly right. Like the guys like Amazon, Apple, like those guys aren't really going away. Like I'm talking to you on, on a Mac computer, you know, we both got probably iPhones and, you know, I, I think like right now too, if, if you have the AirPods and whatnot, yeah, you have them in right now. I think if, if the AirPods were just a singular company, just that one product, they'd be like a top 15 uh, grossing company globally. So, I mean, iPads, like, iPads made more money in, I can't remember which quarter it was last year than Netflix did iPads. I don't even know anyone with an iPad. That's like boomer tech. They yeah. made more money than Netflix. That's pretty good. I think. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, and like, I, I know you and I don't probably use iPads that often, but like, I know some, some industries that, you know, you're out in the field, you're taking notes and they're, they rely on iPads. And so those aren't going away anytime soon. So, I mean, I think, uh, you know, that these companies kind of have this moat and, uh, they're not really going to go away. And it's kind of like this all, you know, this facade, but everything's been so expensive just in the stock market investing and everything's been going up. I think just valuations of companies are going to start going down and they're going to start getting more reasonable. And then, you know, the way you evaluate a company is going to be, you know, you'll, you'll probably have a little bit more success if you're doing it based on the, the value investing principles is kind of what I'm getting at. You know, like you're seeing like, you know, before it was like, all right, who gives a fuck about PE ratios, right? Like you can invest in Facebook at 113 price to earnings ratio or whatever it was, you know, something crazy. And it didn't matter because Facebook's going up. Who didn't use Facebook at that time? <laughs> now Facebook's at like, you know, Meta's at like a PE ratio of 10. And it's like, yeah. okay, well, now you got to actually consider like what you, you, what you believe in that company. Right. And so I think it's the same kind of thing with like all of these growth companies, so to speak. And I think, you know, you're exactly right. Like I had to go to the store yesterday to get contact solution because I was out and I was pissed that I couldn't wait like the day that I needed to to get contact solution from Amazon. I actually had to drive <laughs> five minutes down the road. So, um, you know, I mean, I, I agree with you 100 percent on that. But, um, you know, I, I, I think that the biggest thing that, you know, bringing me bringing it all back to Bitcoin is this theory that I that I've kind of, I've been talking about it on a few different things like our spaces and I was on a podcast yesterday um, that's I think going to come out soon the passive income podcast um, and uh, yeah I mean I brought it up there that I'm really worried about how this kind of sideways movement with Bitcoin is going to affect all the miners and we're seeing kind of a capitulation selling off of equipment so ASICs has have never been cheaper. And we're seeing like a sell off of a lot of like public miners on their Bitcoin stash. So I, I pulled up a tweet here uh, oh, no. as well from from Sam. Um, so if you're not following him, shout out to Sam. Uh, but he basically put together this table here. And, you know, he also said Glassnode's estimated about 78,000 worth of BTC still in their wallets. But, you know, you kind of see it like here across the board, the total just going up to you know, around 46,000 uh, in April, 2022. And then you kind of see like that public miners stash is not growing. And obviously they're mining Bitcoin, right? So they're getting more Bitcoin every month. And now they're kind of selling at a rapid pace because they're, the amount that they're mining is not keeping up with the amount that they're selling. And so there's going to be this interesting spot that we're in where energy is getting more expensive in Europe and the United States and all these, all these other countries. And the thing that worries me is that I know a lot of these miners have contracts where it's like, we're going to get this amount, you know, whatever it is, four cents a kilowatt, two cents yeah, a power, kilowatt. Yeah, power, like forward power procurement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for, for a couple of years. Well, if those contracts end and it aligns with a drastic energy crisis, wherever they're located, are some of these miners either going to be a forced to move to somewhere else where the energy isn't as low or kind of kicked out of there because, you know, there's such a, there's such high demand for the, the limited amount of energy that that, that that country has, or B, that that energy is going to become more expensive just naturally over time. And so, you know, they're going to start losing money and have to keep selling, keep selling equipment. And as this hash rate keeps increasing, 
we're going to see a lot of miners just start to fail. You know, I had Ben Canyon on my pod last week and he was talking about there's like 50 public Bitcoin miners now globally or around there. Maybe that's not the exact number, but relatively close. I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see that kind of drop to maybe even like 15, 20, like get down there because of that. So talk me off a ledge here. Do you kind of see like what, what I'm seeing here? Or do you think that, you know, maybe some of the miners are a little bit more, I guess, well positioned going forward? Uh, okay. A couple things. Let's prep. Let's, let's put some framing around this. First of all, uh, as, as retail investors are often advised, Bitcoin miners should be advised as well. You cannot hold in Bitcoin anything you cannot afford to lose. Core Scientific is, is learning that lesson the hard way today. Uh, if you look at their stack there, they are deep blue, you know, like undiscovered species of fish blue around April 22. And then they're, you know, my swimming pool uh, today in September, you know, a thousand. I think they're down to about 24 Bitcoin after that sale last month. So they have almost nothing on their balance sheet now in terms of Bitcoin. If you can't afford to run your company, if the price of Bitcoin goes sideways or down for three months or six months, like it has every other time a bull market has run its course, by the way, not the first time, you're not a well-run company. I'm going to take it a step further, and I, I would be curious to hear your point of view on this. I know Len disagrees or, or at least you know thinks I should add some caveats, but these, these publicly traded mining companies holding Bitcoin on their balance sheet, this is not a winning strategy. It's it's a it's a uh, it's a cope and a virtue signal for Twitter likes and to pump up the number of people who want to invest in the company because of net asset value. I understand the net asset value argument, basically that if you hold more Bitcoin on your balance sheet than the enterprise value, there's no way you can lose, right? You buy the stock, and you know if Bitcoin rises, then the net asset value um, catches up or whatever, and 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 you're you're off to the races. But you know, pragmatically in the real world. You need cash to run an operation like this. And if you're taking a loan against Bitcoin, an asset you know is the most volatile. There's nothing more volatile than Bitcoin. Like, you know, let's talk about like, oh, look, bonds are more volatile now or whatever, the S&P, the, the Dow. Okay, fine, whatever. You want to make that case, no big deal. But the, the fact of the matter is, generally speaking, Bitcoin is the most volatile asset. So if you're levered up to run your operation day to day against an asset that's, you know, crazy volatile as your collateral, you're asking for trouble. My suggestion to the miners would be basically two things. One, spend that money uh, trying to push for legislation or, or political gains that would make that price less volatile. Spend that money on having somebody elected or on a lobbyist the way that the Ethereum guys are. I hate to say it, but you know that Greenpeace thing comes out and it lands with a lot of people. It may not land with you and me, but it lands with a lot of people. Um, you know, that the stuff about proof of stake being cleaner lands with a lot of people it may not land with you and me, but there's many people for whom it does uh, hit home and stick. That's, that's a political campaign and Ethereum, you know, companies aren't holding ETH on their balance sheet. They're just not. And that they're spending that money in other places. That's one thing. The other thing I would say is you got to have a better communication strategy than sending out tweets like MicroStrategy does. We acquired another 3000 Bitcoin and average price of this. We got this much on the balance sheet pumping up likes, putting laser eyes in your shit. It doesn't work when push comes to shove. This is barely even a price drop, by the way. Most bear markets don't finish until the price drops 85% from the high. We're only at about 74%, or we were at 19,000. Now it's probably, you know, it's got more room to fall if, if, uh, if that sort of long-term trend holds. 
there are better ways to spend money than putting Bitcoin on your balance sheet is the point I'm getting at. Now, even worse, it sounds like these guys are levered up on the hardware too. So you telling me that these mining companies are levered up on a piece of hardware they know is going to be half as valuable in two years or three years and an asset they know can go up or down 85% over the course of six months. And they did it, like Core did it at the high, it seems like, and then they had to sell at the low. This is, it's a, it's a mind boggling. The question we should be asking is like, who's on that board? Who's the, who's the fiduciary on that board that said that was a good idea? Who are the people who voted yes to all these things along the way? It's real easy to go on podcasts, do interviews when you're the CEO of a company that's absolutely ripping and talk about how you got Bitcoin on the balance sheet when Bitcoin is at the all-time high. We, we've had a number of CEOs on who don't have Bitcoin on their balance sheet. Frank Holmes is one from Hive. And you know those guys don't keep Bitcoin on the balance sheet. They, they might keep a little bit, but generally they sell the Bitcoin to cover their OPEX. This is what you have to do to survive because now Hive is going to look at uh, Core Scientific, who's going to have to sell hardware, who's going to have to sell capital, who's going to have to find ways to have their shit financed. And that's, that's an easy one. We gave a lot of shit to FTX, Sam Bankman-Fried, for doing similar stuff when BlockFi was about to go tits up, right? He made a play on, on acquiring BlockFi. This is how consolidation happens. Now, I do agree with you and my co-host, who's not here to defend himself, that the consolidation in mining is just getting started. Is it going to go from 50 to 15? I don't know. That's a lot of consolidation, a lot of M&A. But there's no way 50 publicly traded miners need to exist. What is, what is the competitive advantage between... 10 of these miners, let alone 50. Are you telling me you wouldn't just rather buy the biggest cap or the smallest cap or try and find the one that's, you know, tr uh, trending in the right direction or do a momentum swing trade style strategy, knowing that you're a Bitcoin bull long-term, there's, there's no need for 50. Now to, to Ben Gagnon from Bitfarms, smart guy for sure. Okay. But you know, you and I have both had him on. I like Ben a lot. I would just point to I thought Ben was right about Bitfarms buying Bitcoin last summer, or I guess maybe it was like last spring or something like that. I forget exactly when we had him on, but it, it seemed like a good move at the time. And his rationale was we can get the Bitcoin now faster than we can mine it. We like the price. Well, you were wrong about the price and you were wrong about the mining speed. You're wrong. You're wrong about both. You were wrong about whether or not, whether or not that was a good move in the moment. And we were wrong as interviewers, as, as whatever uh, content creators, not to push him further because we didn't know any better. And I think a lot of people make that mistake. Now, I'm not saying Ben didn't have a good rationale at the time, but the fact of the matter is they ended up having to sell half their stack and they may still have more to liquidate to make it through another three months of chop if we get it. Or heaven forbid, Brandon, like if the queues take a dive after earnings this week, like what's Bitcoin at right now? So Bitcoin is down, now it's down near 20,000. So, you know, like you're off another 3% from the high yesterday. This idea that like, it's an asset that's decoupled enough to take risky plays with that BTC asset as your basis, as your collateral is wrong. It's wrong. And in, until it does get to that point, pretending like it is there by putting on your balance sheet, leveraging it, all that stuff is the wrong move. Spend the money, do something that's going to help the price stabilize. Those guys have the firepower, the connections and all that to make a play of that nature. And they just, they're not doing it. I don't know why, but they're not doing it. Yeah. I mean, you know, what I would do personally as a personal investor and compared to the way I would run a business are two completely different things. So I kind of agree with you there. Like I would, if I was a Bitcoin company, I would just have a shit ton of cash on hand at all times. 
like almost enough to run your entire company for two full years without making a single dime. Which Obviously, we should, which we should mention is hard to do. Like I'm not saying no, this stuff is easy and you're not either, but it's important. Yeah, it's extremely hard. And you know, at the end of the day, you, you, what you do is you mine Bitcoin, right? So you could always theoretically gain that Bitcoin back by selling it, right? So, but it, you run into the issue, right, where you're you're selling and you're not really sure like how much the margin is. But I mean, I think like everybody kind of dives into that point where Bitcoin's running up, and you know, we see it with friends and other things like that, right? We have people oh shit, Bitcoin's at 60,000. Should I buy in? Should I buy in? Like all that kind of stuff. And I feel like a lot of these mining companies, they're they're young, right? So maybe this is their first run up or maybe it's, you know, their CEO's first kind of exposure to it or their CEO's first company, right? They don't even know like, uh, you know, how, how to re really even run this. And I think that that's where, we're, what we're kind of running into is like, a lot of these companies are young. A lot of these CEOs are young because they're kind of learning the ropes of business just in general. And uh, they're kind of going through and they found Bitcoin. They got passionate about it. They got, you know, really into it. And they knew about all this stuff more than anybody else. They sold some, you know, wealthy investor like, hey, listen to this, you know, Mark Zuckerberg type of kid nerdy kid going through and selling all this stuff and they sound you know very intelligent and then at the end of the day you know they get they take a couple risks and they get a little screwed and I, and i agree with you though about having bitcoin in the balance sheet i think it's good but i i personally i don't really take too much weight in it because i think that you know because of it's so volatile you're essentially having it there just as like backup. I don't think taking any leverage risk, getting loans back on that is smart to buy equipment. Like you said, that it depreciates in a couple years um, because, you know, these miners at the end of the day, two, three years basically is their shelf life. If you can get a miner that works six years, that's outstanding. But, you know, by the time that that six years come, or those like third, fourth years comes, especially with the way the halving cycle works, majority of the time that computer is not going to be able it's not even going to be worth it right it's going to no. be an old machine out outdated and it's going to cost you more money to mine than it is to actually obtain any of the bitcoin so um you know and to your point about ben uh he he kind of went through it on my show where he was saying that essentially the reason they sold the bitcoin that they had was because they had contracts come up and they needed to sell to Fulfilled he can spin it, it, he can spin it however he wants. The same way Core Scientific. Hey, I'm a writer, dude. I'm not. I'm not going to I, I like Ben. I like. I'm not saying I don't like Ben. I think he's fucking smart, man. He's part of that Bitcoin Mining Council presentation every quarter. He's a smart guy. Hundred percent. He gets it. He may get it more than anyone else, but we, you know, like much the same way that we give people shit, like Core today with their press release. Oh, we were influenced by the cost of energy going up, the hash rate going up, the difficulty going up, the contracts, the power stuff, like. You, you can say that you were affected by that. I get it. But ultimately, the problem is you didn't manage your risk. It's not like it's not like you can't go on Twitter every day and find a thread about how dangerous it gets for miners who are levered up as the hash rate goes up and the price stays, stays stagnant. It's that, those threads are everywhere. There are tons of Bitcoin bears. And I would also make another point about the hardware. The, the same people who know that the, the ecosystem is young and still developing also have to know that the hardware and the speed of the hardware development is going to increase much, much faster in the next five years than it did in the previous five, okay? You don't have to look that far to figure this out. In 2016, the S9 was released, and there's still S9s running today at a loss, 
but they're still S nines running today. The loss is not so significant that we have to take those things offline, that they have to be replaced. They have, okay. That's, you're not going to be running S 19s in five years because there's going to be too much growth, too much competition. Stranded power is going to become a real thing. Nuclear may also become like all these things are going to change the, the way that that technology curve uh, goes as far as adoption, sort of peak usage, and then uh, obsolescence, right? It may not be six years for, for the next cycle. It may be two years or three years. I have no idea. But we've seen this everywhere that you can get way faster computers, way cheaper, way more quickly than you could 20 years ago, right? These, these things, are, are they're all happening at the same time. And when you talk about application-specific chips, the ASICs, I can't imagine that companies are not going to jump into this, right? This, this is where the money is. You and me know this. We see, and, and like we talk to people on our, on our programs all the time. We say like the price is down, but the capital investment is through the roof. It's an all-time high. And the number of mines coming into this, all-time high. Politicians interested, all-time high. Uh, companies that are doing other hardware and software, all-time high. Uh, the the, the competition is going to get stiff, and uh, they they got to know that. And Core, you know, I'm, I don't want to pick on Ben, but like Core, great example. This, you know, BlockFi said, oh, we weren't expecting these blow-ups, this blah, blah, blah. It all comes down to whether or not you manage your risk. And straight up, they didn't. And we're going to see other miners have the same problem, I bet, Brandon. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, for sure. And and for those who don't know about the core situation, I pulled up uh, Dylan LeClaire's tweet uh, where he highlighted part, part of their SEC filing. But essentially, it just said like, you know, they're, they're halting all their debt financing payments. So in other words, they, they can't afford to pay some of their loans back. So essentially, they're I mean, they're fucked. I mean, I mean, I don't even know what how else to put it. Their stock price dropped, I think, by eighty percent today, too. So eighty percent was the number. Yeah, either seventy-five or eighty percent. I know Len was uh, kind of texting us about it, and uh, I think he tweeted it too. So eighty percent and five more after hours. Oh my god. Yeah. So uh, a really big fall from grace for all the core bag holders out there. So. I mean, it just it just shows how tough of a business it is, though. I mean, it's just like exactly like you said, you got to look at like the competitive advantage that these companies have. And I think as far as mining goes, it's a, one of the hardest, if not the hardest business out there around Bitcoin at this point, because, yeah. you know, it's so affected by the price and it's affected by more outside factors than any other Bitcoin company. It's affected by by regulation. It's affected by energy prices it's affected by, you know, you know, all these other kind of, you know, uh, ha like uh, so price regulation and energy price. So, I mean, those three cogs essentially affect how well your Bitcoin mining operation is going. And at the end of the day, a lot of these companies that are, like we said, like trying to find places where there's cheap energy. Well, you run into some potential geopolitical risk then, you know, yeah. you like, uh, other companies go to like Russia and uh, Compass Mining comes to mind, right? They, they go to Russia for the cheap uh, natural energy that they have out there, which obviously Russia now is kind of like pulling some strings on the rest of Europe. But, you know, they uh, essentially would just confiscated all of those. And so it, that's a kind of worry that I have when it comes to so Southern America, where it's like, OK, like maybe all these companies moving down to South America because it's cheaper energy. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, positives coming out of there. Well, at the end of the day, there's 
been a lot of corrupt leadership in South. They're America. on the, that's the gold machine gun index over there. Like you're yeah. going to see people in chopped off jeeps with machine guns. You can't, you can't invest in a place like that. And to your point about geopolitics, like if you're, if you're, if you're trafficking in anything that requires chips, you, you know, you're really going to rely on China and Taiwan to send you these Like You can't, this is not a reliable model, man. It's just not. Yeah. And so I know like more American companies are kind of getting into it. We've seen Intel and we've seen some others, but I mean, all this stuff takes time to develop. And the thing about Bitcoin is it just keeps moving, right? I mean, we're seeing the hash rate keep increasing, more miners coming online every day. It's like, how quick can some of these, you know, one facilities pop up because we need more facilities, whether it's in, you know, Canada, North America, all that kind of stuff. Because I think, you know, the way that things are going, we're moving to more, I guess, a nationalistic kind of economy instead of this more global economy that we have right now because of all the conflict that we're seeing we're seeing the issues of it where it's like okay if you become reliant on one country for one specific good that you need that country has basically by you has you by the balls at this point yeah and so that's what russia is doing where if you get somebody like putin in in leadership and he wants more control he's just going to grab you by the balls and and take advantage of that right so i mean i think uh we're definitely in an interesting time. And the, the biggest worry that I have right now going forward for, for Bitcoin is just the miners in general, just all this uh, going on. And, 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 you know, it's all right. I just don't really see any positives coming out of it. I mean, I had uh, Mike Hobart who uh, works for great American mining. He's on one of my spaces and he was saying like, yeah, we should, we should definitely be worried about this because, you know, whether it's companies just mining based off flare gas or other things, like we're still, uh, you know, it's still uh, operating at a, a close to a loss at this point. So, so what do you do if you're a miner? Like, you know, we, I, I talked about some of the things I think they should do, but that would have been good for them to do two years ago. At the moment, uh, you know, you, what are you going to do? You're, you're basically stuck between a rock and a hard place. Either you sell Bitcoin at a like absolutely massive loss, massive loss, uh, or you sell hardware or you, you know, throttle down your power consumption or you start hosting maybe, or, you know, you find some other way to consolidate debt with some of the assets you have, maybe real estate or, or land. Like th there's not a lot of good options. And uh, I think a lot of these guys, you know, much like Bitcoin hasn't been through an environment like this, where there's been so sort of a tightening of fiscal policy and an unwind of a bubble and an uh, and uh you know geopolitical issue that's causing power uh prices to spike in mo you know most modern economies really these guys weren't they just plain out were ready for it and i'm not saying it's easy to be ready for it other companies amazon for example potentially also not ready for it but amazon's got you know a trillion dollar war chest these other companies do not and uh they don't they don't have services that are outside of the realm of the physical needs of a miner. Um, you know, there's no AWS over at HUD8. There's no AWS over at BitFarms. Uh, they, they have only so many levers they can pull and press and, and you know, uh, work with to try and sustain the operation. But long term, I think the other thing they have to do is find other revenue streams. I don't know what they are, but, you know, is, is it like, I, it can't be lightning routing. It ain't going to be that. It can't be, you know, I don't think it can be hosting. We've seen all those hosting companies really have a, a really hard time over the last year. So what is it? I don't know. You got any ideas? I mean, fuck if I know, man, I, I have really no idea. And I, and I don't really envy any of these people in this, this position, but I mean, to your point about like the AWS and other things like that for these companies, I think we just had like compute North, I want to say was like a, uh, 
Bitcoin or Bitcoin slash crypto mining uh, data center. And they just went under as well, I think like about a, a month or two ago. And so like even some of these other like crypto mining data centers, uh, they're also like struggling now too. So, I mean, I think it's just going to be a, a case where a lot of these companies that aren't really positioned very well are going to start doing the things exactly like you said, right? They're going to start selling off their hardware and it's going to be some of the big dogs that are were really prepared for this that are going to come in and scoop up a bunch of cheap hardware. And, you know, maybe it's a, a point where some retail miners pick up five, 10 miners for cheap, a couple hundred bucks. And, yeah. you know, then, then it becomes a little bit more decentralized where people are actually starting to mine. But I also think like this whole scenario is almost the, the death to some of these at-home miners. Like one, it's not already really feasible themselves but two, like, you know, you're probably not getting a cheaper deal than than the uh, than the industrial no. miners on on uh, you know on energy prices. And two, like, I mean, at the end of the day, like, yeah, if, if this price keeps continuing flat and you lose your job, what are you gonna do? You're not gonna keep that mining and keep that extra expense to get you know your non KYC Bitcoin, right? You're gonna have to sell all that stuff too. So. I think we're kind of in an interesting time and in, in a decent like inflection point because not only are we in a bear market for Bitcoin, we're in a bear market for you know the whole global economy. And I think this is the first time kind of in Bitcoin's history that it's been in this scenario. You know, we've seen Bitcoin have its downturns, but at those points it had, you know, the economy was ripping for the past like, you know, 10, 12 years, except for, uh, you know, uh, starting in 2020, we've kind of had that, you know, up and down swing. But I mean, you know, to that point, it's been, uh, you know, relatively smooth sailing since Bitcoin's birth. So it's been nothing but smooth, not relatively smooth, like like purpose, purpose driven smoothness in the economy. Like the Federal Reserve and other central banks have tried to smooth out the business cycle, the economic cycle, and they've been fairly successful. I would also add, as far as like the Bitcoin bear thesis, I keep on seeing these charts from the, you know, the, the glass node uh, broccoli haircut boys that... Uh, they, they're oh the long-term holders or it's the most coins ever not moved for a year blah 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 first okay a couple things one a year is not that long okay it may seem like a long time when you're 20 but it's not that long uh second of all the this idea that this economic downturn where rates are still going up they may be stopping soon but they're still going up i know some friends who were hit by the trigger rate in canada this hike i don't know if we were or not we, we may have been but uh you know, who are now suddenly saying my mortgage rate just went up by like 20%. Like, I got to pay like another $400 on my mortgage every month. Like, where am I going to get 400? Well, you know, I'll tell you where you're going to get it. If you're a Bitcoiner, you're going to sell some Bitcoin at a loss to keep the roof over your head. That's the first thing you pay. And these, these pressures for the first time are going to really test people's metal. It's very easy to say to your friends, to run a podcast, to do these things related to Bitcoin when the price is 65,000. But when the price is 22 or 21 or 19 or whatever it is right now, 20,420, uh, you know, if the price is in that range and you find yourself with extra expenses and it's not only mortgage rates, Brandon, you know, groceries are up by 10% basically across the board. It, that's what the generous government interpretation of things. Uh, energy is is high. I know it's, it's about a dollar seventy a liter for eighty seven octane in Ontario right now. The price is going up over two dollars tomorrow. Uh, there's there's an announcement earlier today that something is happening overnight. It's going to cause the price to jump. So like 
you know, if it, if it costs you $80 to fill your tank today and 95 to fill it tomorrow, you're going to sell something, man. It ain't going to be your dog. It ain't going to be your TFSA or you're not going to get your, get your RSP, your retirement account. Um, you know, get, get that thing ready to sell. It's going to be Bitcoin. It's liquid, it's available. And I would argue, Brandon, that there's a lot of people who don't have that much conviction. A lot of people who don't have that much conviction. And I don't know, you know, I don't think you and me fall into that category, but there's, there's a lot of people on Twitter who are enjoying the memes and having a good time. They've been here a year or 18 months. Let's see what you're made of. Let's see what, what happens to that price pressure. I bet you it comes in hard and fast. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess this kind of just reverts back to your overall thesis. Do you think we're kind of still going to fall down to that 85%? Oh, yeah. Are you kidding? 100%. There, there's no way. There's no, if this right? keeps up, I don't know if it's me 14, but like, you know, if, if it's, if eight, if 75% was 19,000, do the math. It's another 10,900 or another uh, 1,900 bucks, right? So what's that? 17,000, something like that. You know, I think that's reasonable. I wouldn't be surprised. Who who would be surprised by a move like that? You know, we have a group chat where you guys give me a hard time about the DCA thing. But the fact of the matter is, if if that move happened, none of us would be surprised that it happened. It would just be another day in Bitcoin, right? But I think a lot of people who, you know, and, and one other thing I'll, I'll say about the downward pressure, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, I can't sell a 20K, it's too much of a loss. But there's some threshold for people in stocks, in in Bitcoin and whatever, in whatever liquid market, where even if you don't want to sell, the fear of having to sell at a lower price during a momentum, during like downward momentum is overwhelming to people, especially if you need the money. And you may find people willing to sell as the price drops a little bit and that'll push it lower. Like this is not that hard to figure out. The, the psychology of markets is a weird thing, but it it's it's just a it's a story on repeat. This happens all the time in a lot of markets and Bitcoin's no different. Yeah. And I, what I think is interesting too, is like, I mean, this is not just, you know, Bitcoin news, but it's, you know, I saw a tweet from unusual whales that I think it was 40% of brokerage accounts that opened in 2020 have now closed and, <laughs> uh, and 40% or 30% of those were of millennial age range. So I wonder if that's either one, because they lost a bunch of money, they were kind of following into, you know, your game stops and maybe doing a little bit more risky things, crypto, Bitcoin, and they've gotten burned or two, they just needed the money for liquidation and they're just, you know, but either way, those are both negatives, right? So, I mean, one, they're just like, all right, fuck this investing thing. I'm losing money. It's, it's stupid. Everybody said, you know, stock market stocks always go up as, you know, our friend uh, Dave Portnoy was always saying during during all that, and uh, you know, or like they just needed the money because inflation's running rampant, and I don't see inflation going anywhere anytime soon, right? I mean, we're depl we're deploying more oil reserves. We're gonna still float around whatever your gas price is right now in the United States. I think near me, it's like right right around three fifty or so. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're, we're still going to be floating around there, I think, for quite some time until, uh, you know, shit really hits the fan. And well, what's going to happen when the SPR releases stop? You know, let's let's assume that the Republicans win in a couple of weeks. The SPR releases stop or slow down. What's the plan? No. There's one. There's no plan. There's no plan. No idea. You, you're either you're either going to put upward pressure on the price refilling the SPR or you're not going to refill it. And the price is going to go bananas anyway, because the demand's not going to slow down. Not to mention you know, would you be surprised? This is like, you know, a little bit speculate, uh, speculatory on my part, but if, if, if China reopens full as the SPR releases stop, what's going to happen to global demand? It's going to go through the roof. You know, like you, you got, you, you can't compete with these market forces. There's too many things going on. One other thing I'll mention on the downward price pressure, 
how many people from 2020 who used all that stimulus money, right? During the, uh, during that, um, uh, okay. So I'll, t- I'll t- lens in the chat. I got, I- I'll take, I take issue with that comment, but the, the, how many, how many, uh, how many people who bought Bitcoin in 2020 with all that stimulus money bought only Bitcoin? Probably not that many. And so if people, let's say you're in Celsius, for example, right? Easy to pick on Celsius. Let's say you're in Celsius. You watch that thing go tits up. Would you go to your crypto portfolio in Robinhood and sell everything but Bitcoin? Or would you sell your Bitcoin too? You'd sell your Bitcoin too. Yeah, and so like all that pressure, as more of these tokens go to zero, that pressure is going to drop. Now, Len is saying half the SPR goes overseas. And so it doesn't help Americans that much. That's wrong. It does help Americans because the demand is global. The supply is global. The price is priced all over the world. And so whether or not that supply is somewhere else or in America, it still helps the price go down in America. That's that, It's a global market. So it may not help as much as we think sometimes, but absolutely it helps Americans for sure. Um, that SPR is, is oil on the market and uh, more oil on the market drives price down, period. It's a global market. It's not just Americans uh, who are buying that stuff. Yeah, I agree on that second point. And the first point too, I mean, I, I, I agree as well, where it's like everybody was just buying all these shit coins, right? I mean, because at the end of the day, you know, we're talking about how volatile Bitcoin is when it comes to miners holding that on their portfolio. But the reason that shit coins get appealing to people is because that volatility is just like 10x, you know, shout out Grant Cardone and, and all his 10x bullshit. But uh, some of the, like, it's like 10x the volatility of Bitcoin because they're just obviously like, you know, less demand and whatnot. And there's, you know, it's at 0.0001 cents. And you buy like a thousand of these and it's going to shoot it up like to, a couple, <laughs> you know, a half a penny or something like that. And then that's, you know, a million percent up and like people are always going to try to find that. And they were trying to find the next get rich quick scheme at that point in time. And so yeah. I still think I think we're like kind of moving past that because now people are kind of panicking and they're like, oh, shit, like I need to figure out, you know, I think the savings rate is probably going to go up if they can save, you know, it's not going to be invested. The amount invested is going to start to change. And, you know, we're going to see people kind of start to pull away from, you know, these kind of investments, whether it's holding Bitcoin, holding any kind of stock or anything like that, too. So I don't know. We're in it. We're in definitely in trying times. And I think this whole episode has been kind of doom and gloom. But I think it's like it's a point, though, that I've been like, you know, especially with the miners that I've that's been on the top of my mind and, uh, you know, I really wanted to get get a discussion out with this, um, you know, because I think we, we have these kind of on the spaces every now and then. But, um, you know, we, we can reach a little bit more people here and get, get it. Be reported. prepared. Be prepared for a downswing. Like, that's all. It's it's what what about this asset class should tell you that it's going to be up only? What about it? Nothing. Zero. Zilch. And there's more pressure on this thing politically than ever before. Uh, if, if there was ever a time to expect some downward pressure and some, uh, scary moments in legislation, for example, th- this is it. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, I guess that super cycle theory, uh, proved to be incorrect. So, uh, <laughs> and I, I don't think we're going to be there anytime soon either, but, uh, to wrap it up, I do have a bone to pick with you. You always bring it up in the chat and you bring it up to every single, every single one of your guests about the four. 40- yard dash so for those who haven't listened to the canadian bitcoiners podcast you should check it out but joey asks every single one of his guests and pins him against 
him or her, excuse me, uh, against somebody else in the Bitcoin space, ask them whether or not he could that he or she could beat them in a 40 yard dash. And for some odd reason, Joey believes fully that he can beat me in a 40 yard dash. I could for sure. I could for sure. I could for sure. There's zero (laughs) percent chance that this could happen. I don't, I, you know, I, I don't like to brag too much, but I, you know, former division one athlete. There's another division one athlete in that chat who knows you. And I got to say, there's, I, there's not really a chorus of support for your cause. You notice yeah, that Dan, Dan would never back <laughs> me up one and two, I would smoke. Uh, Dan will probably admit this too. He, so me and Dan both ran track and cross country in college. So Dan is the typical cross country runner where You just He's got up. no foot speed. You just froze off. Oh shit! Right? Yeah, I have foot. I'm talking so fast. I'm freezing up, bro. <laughs> but uh, you know, at the end of the day, I I got some foot speed, dude. I I ran a 50.9 in the 400. Watch out for me. I can move, dude. What's is that good? 15.9. Five zero point nine for a single oh, lap. Fifty point nine. Four hundred. And on a single five. lap on the track. So I want to see you go try and do that. Zero percent. I don't chance. know. I don't know if I could or not. I, I'd have to, for sure, no way. these days, I'll tell you that uh, I am like... This is a long way, too. Yeah, so. it's a long... Yeah, it's yeah half a click. I, I think uh, I think if if we were going to race, we you know, we probably will if we go to Miami or some conference next year. I think it would honestly have to be on grass because I honestly don't think I could run on pavement that with that much force anymore. I couldn't do it. <laughs> but on grass, on grass, I, I think I could do it. And, uh, I, I'll say this, like, you know, we, we joke all the time about how I'm still playing sports, even though I did do that Achilles, you know, rupture, not even a year ago, it was like eight months ago. Uh, I gotta tell you, man, it, it, it healed pretty well. So I honestly don't feel any slower. No one I know seems to think I'm any slower and, uh, I haven't yeah, lost in a foot go? race. I ain't lost in a foot race in a long time. I ain't planning mm-hmm. on starting anytime soon. Me neither, buddy. Me neither. <laughs> I mean, the last time I lost in a foot race, I was in division one track. So, I mean. That's all I gotta say about that. Every time I race 40, somebody- 40 yards, 40 yards is a different game than than distance, I think. I think all like right. I think so it is. Like time- that, that first that first step is important, but it's not even that first step. It's like it's like y- you have to know if you're winning the race, you you can't let up. And if you're only down by a little bit, like there's definitely times where you could you could see a guy who's a little in front of you who thinks he's gonna beat you, and you may think that for a split second, but he'll tire as you are like, you know, getting your, like hitting sixth gear, you got to have that little bit, that dog in you, as you like to say. Yeah. Well here, I got a little story to tell. So last time somebody challenged me to a race, we had a triple jumper on our team where I found out later, he was like a decathlete before. So what's a triple jumper? I don't even know what that is. So they jump three times, basically like you run, you sprint, you jump once, then you land like on one foot, jump off of that and do that three times. Okay. And so he was, he was a very good athlete. I think he ended up like getting like either first or second in NCAAs, which is like absolutely insane. But turns out he was a decathlete before he came, uh, which is like, basically they do 10 different events, running, sprinting, throwing, jumping, all that kind of stuff. So he wasn't a slouch, but he thought he could beat me in a 600 or lap and a half. And the bet was the loser has to shave their head. And I'm, I'm about to pull up this picture. So shout out to Manuel <laughs> over here. Uh, sorry, I had to do this to you, buddy. But look who got his head shaved! Wow, wow, it wasn't me. There's the there's the young baby face B keys over there. But it's like six, but six hundred ain't forty. Forty is like you got to have, you got to be able to produce force fast for forty yards. 
I, I think like I am for sure. I definitely got a stronger lower half than you. I don't think there's any doubt about that. The question is, do you think you got some kind of technique that that gives you an edge in a 40 yard dash? I don't know if you do or not. I have no I idea. I mean, like the, the the argument that you that you could probably make is like you could probably get me off the start. Just like I mean, that's why I'm a, I've never had to work on that explosive like beginning start. But okay, the longer it gets, the 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 more I'll catch you. <laughs> 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 we have to we have to do it we have to do it we have to do it before you turn 30 so that the loss is that much more painful for you oh my god yeah <laughs> all, right. all right well on that note joey i really appreciate you coming on last minute anytime um, buddy. So i got an exciting guest for you guys next week but uh she had to be she was a little under- who's the guest who's so the guest I, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say just in case she's still not feeling well, well next oh. week but uh okay. i'll maybe text it in the chat or whatnot but um yeah joey why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and what you got going on canadian bitcoiners podcast man uh look us up youtube wherever you get your pods and uh stopping on monday nights chop it up with uh, us and brandon sometimes in the chat too so yeah if you got time we'll love to see you there amen yeah Who, who's uh the next guest you guys got lined up can you share we got yeah we got uh jaron melrude whose name i have butchered so many times on our air uh who used to work for arcane research big bitcoin mining slash energy guy looking forward to talking to him he's a wealth of knowledge on twitter and he's very accessible so i'm i'm happy we we're bringing him on he's got a, a lot of good stuff to say man i'm following up I, I think i'm following him or he's following up with me like the week after so good. a little, good. little teaser there but he's hey yeah, man like this up. especially now with all the mining stuff like he's a great guy to bring on it's just the timing worked out oh 100 for sure so joey yeah. thanks again man i really appreciate it anytime bro this this is ridiculous this four 